Creative Babble. Like my friend Brian Earl of the Christmas Past podcast always says, this podcast discusses Santa Claus, but not in the ways that younger listeners can appreciate. So if you have little ones in the room, you might want to listen to this one with headphones. Question. Do you know what a douchebag sounds like? It sounds a lot like this guy who is walking in a mall and is about to tell the children waiting in line to meet Santa that he's not real. And uh, today we're at the mall in Amarillo, Texas, and we're going to tell the children here today the truth that there is no Santa Claus and that it's Christmas is about Jesus Christ. So here we go. We're going to tell them the truth. Folks, my name is Pastor David. Kids, I wanted to tell you today that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Santa Claus does not exist. The Christmas season is about Jesus, and that's the truth about Christmas. The man you're going to see today is just a man in a suit dressed up like Santa, but Santa does not exist. Santa's not real. And parents, y'all need to stop lying to your children and telling them that Santa Claus is real when in fact he's not. By this point, the parents waiting in line have had enough of this guy. That's all the truth. And there is no real Santa Claus. There is no Santa. It is not your place to lie to your children. Tell them the truth about Jesus Christ. Tell them the truth about what Christmas is all about. Sir, don't put your hands on then me. Go on. Quit put talking this mess. You understand me? Put, keep now your stop. hands to yourself. I got my kids over there. We don't need you coming over here blabbing whatever the hell you blabbing. There is no Santa, and That's the fine. Christmas the parents, is about Jesus. But, and the parents are all right with that. The parents are all right with lying to their kids. Yeah. Not your decision to make. That's a sin. It's a sin in the eyes well, of what, God. What kids, there is, is no Santa. Sin. Santa. There Santa's is a Santa. not real. Your there parents are lying to you. Don't believe it. There is a Santa. Y'all have a nice day. Now, I know this guy is a Scrooge, but does he have a point? Is it right to lie to our kids, even if it's for the holiday spirit? Christmas, it's the one time a year where all parents get a shot at being manipulative and con artists. But like all great cons, the truth is bound to come out. So how do you do it? How do you tell your children the truth about Santa? and that you've been lying to them for all these years. That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. I asked my listeners to submit stories about their Santa experiences. Also, we have a pretty incredible true crime story about Santa. No joke, it's the story based on the real St. Nicholas. So let's get this show going. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about parents pretending to be Santa.
Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. When your first child is born, you have a choice to make. To lie or not to lie about Santa. It's something a lot of new parents don't think about until they have to make that decision. But one listener and fellow podcaster Rachel from the All Bad Things podcast has an interesting take on this dilemma. Hi, this is Rachel. So when I was growing up, my parents told my sister and me pretty much from day one that there was no Santa. They wanted to be honest with us. And uh, I still remember my grandmother didn't love that so much. And would like when she gave us presents would write from Santa and we'd sort of roll our eyes like, yeah, grandma. Uh, honestly, you know, I wouldn't say that growing up without Santa, it does not feel like it was traumatizing or that I missed out on some like magic of Christmas or something like that. But I will say the secret part was a little weird. There's an odd burden to like not be able to say something that you know to be true to your peers. And it, more than that, to be explicitly like keeping that a secret. Like you're in on a grown up secret at a young age. And that, that felt like a little bit of a burden. Oh, and um, ironically, recently my mom has started very coyly asking me and my sister what we'd like Santa to bring us for Christmas. And we're like, Mom, you told us when we were four that there was no Santa. So why are you trying to convince us that there is one now that we're almost 40? But other listeners refuse to know the truth. Like this one listener, Gabriella, who grew up in Jamaica. So I don't remember when I found out that Santa was pretend, but I do remember some adventures from past Christmases. I grew up in Jamaica. Now every Christmas season, my parents would put up a cardboard fireplace. It didn't have a chimney. It did have a cardboard fire. Now you may ask yourself, how was Santa supposed to come down a non-existent chimney into a fireplace that has pretend fire in the middle of the Caribbean? We never questioned it, but we believed that that was what he did. So now one year during the Christmas season, while playing hide and seek with my sibling, I hid underneath my parents' bed, and under there I saw lots and lots of boxes wrapped in Christmas paper. <gasps> I believed that the reason why those presents were there was because Santa couldn't carry them all and he needed my parents' help to put the toys under the tree. To this day, I have no memory of finding out that Santa wasn't real. 
But I still remember how naive I was believing these things that my parents did to pretend that Santa was real. But then there are kids who will do anything to keep the spirit alive. This next listener-submitted story comes from the UK. Sue Polly says that her son found out the truth about Father Christmas, and he was shattered. He wanted to forget the truth and continue believing. But how do you put that genie back in the bottle? I'll let Sue tell the rest of the story. I know very, very little about your story. So um, why don't we start from the beginning, really? So my son was about nine. And his teacher at school one day had announced to the whole class that there was no such thing as Father Christmas. Which, you know, I don't know what it's like for you, but here, that's pretty shocking. And he was devastated. He came home and was really upset for a couple of days. And then he came up to me one day and said, Matt, do you know I hit, hit the therapist or I hit the therapist? And I did. So I said to him, yeah, I do know somebody. And he said, I'd like to speak to them to get them to hypnotize me so that I can believe in Father Christmas again because I am very upset about it. So I contacted Sharon and she said, wow, I've never been asked to do anything quite that exciting before. Yeah. I think to give it a try. So we went to Sharon. Because he was so young, she asked me to sit in. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I... I listened and it sounded okay. We left. And from then on, for the next three years, no matter what anybody said to him, he believed that there was Father Christmas. So you could have said to him, you know, I've got proof here that there is no Father Christmas. And he would listen to what he said and it wouldn't make any of you at all. And he was very, very happy. And then about, when he was about 11, 12, one day it was just obvious he didn't believe in Father Christmas anymore. It was never mentioned. I don't know what happened in his head, but something obviously stopped because he didn't need to believe in Father Christmas anymore, and he never did. And he's never referred to it since. He was just, he just loved, he just loved everything. He still loves everything Christmas. Christmas is a very special time for him, and it clearly was very, very important to him. The fact that a nine-year-old had the presence of mind to ask me whether I knew if someone who could hypnotize him is quite remarkable. So do you think it was really the hypnosis that worked or do you think that it was the Christmas spirit that he really wanted to believe? No, it was absolutely the hypnosis. He went into the into Sharon's room in one state and he came out in another state and I have no doubt that it was the hypnosis. At that point, I'd never had hypnosis for anything. I had no experience of it, but I have got no doubt that it was the hypnosis. It was utterly remarkable. That's such a great he story. Away, that's pretty good. When we come back, we're going to talk about the real Santa Claus. Yes, the real Saint Nicholas. And you'll never believe the grisly story that got him sainthood. Let's just say that if this story took place today, you might see it on Dateline. That's after the break. Our last listener-submitted story comes from Alana. Hi, Javier. My name is Alana. So what I remember is that our mother kind of pulling us aside one day and saying, do you know the truth about Santa Claus? And we said, no. And she said, well, Santa Claus isn't real. Uh, I'm the one who's been doing all of that work. And 
While we were processing this shock and sadness, Santa Claus may not be real, but there was a real St. Nicholas. And you should learn the you know, historical background. And she gave us a book. What I remember most clearly is the images accompanying the story were quite disturbing and alarming. What I remember from the story is that the real man rescued and saved children from being pickled in barrels. And I distinctly remember children's body parts sticking out of a wooden barrel. So I guess that was uh, something that happened to children back then. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But because of his uh, love for saving children's lives or something, apparently that was how he was sainted. And we got the one-two punch of not only learning that Santa Claus was not real, but that children apparently can be cut into pieces and pickled in barrels. It was quite, a, quite an awakening for us. Is it true that the real St. Nicholas really saved dismembered children stuffed in a pickling jar? There's only one way to find out. So I called my friend Brian Earle, who is the host of the Christmas Past podcast. And Brian knows everything there is to know about Christmas. But before we get into the pickling children's story, I wanted to ask Brian how he learned the truth about Santa. So uh, what, what's your take on, on this folklore that we've created as a society? What was it like for you as a child? How long did you believe in Santa? Do you still believe in Santa? I remember roughly, and I actually did an episode about this on Christmas past. As I recall it, it was more of a chipping away process. One year, it's like, oh, Santa seems to use the same wrapping paper that my mom and dad do, or Santa's handwriting on, on our gifts looks awfully familiar. So you start to hear little whispers or things that kind of cast some doubt. And then eventually one day you, you just sort of realize. So there was no grand reveal. It was, there was no traumatic shock where someone told me and then I had to confront my parents or they sat me down and told me just very, very gradually. One listener said that their parents told them from day one, you know, Santa's not real. You can't tell your friends. They had a very honest relationship because I guess the feeling was that they didn't want to lie to their children. How do you feel about that? I really don't think that you're pulling a con on your children. You're creating a magical environment, and part of that magic is this story. I suppose it's not incorrect to say that it's a lie and a deception, but I think that's one way of looking at it that doesn't quite fit in with the spirit of the season. I kind of miss believing. My kids are at that age where I have to you know, either make a decision of telling them or just continue playing along until they put the pieces together. But I've recorded this because it happens frequently throughout the year. It's not just Christmas. It's the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. There's this mm-hmm. questioning that comes right after. The Tooth Fairy forgets the tooth. I, I get questioned for that. For Easter, I remember one dinner conversation where my kids were like, well, you know, Lauren across the street saw you hiding eggs in the yard. And, you know, like I keep getting questions and the elf on the shelf. Oh my God. You know, sometimes I forget to move him and I come up with all these explanations for it. So it seems to me like I'm I'm hesitant to have that conversation because it seems to me like they still want to believe, even though they're questioning me. 
Yeah, I think that's something. It becomes a rite of passage because every child、uh, will eventually realize the truth and will eventually have that story of how they came to realize the truth. But what about the story of the pickled children? It turns out they were more like young adults. Let's talk about the origins. This was、uh, the story was part of、uh, episode one of Christmas Past, right? The the story about Santa Claus and the pickled children. Well, I had listened to all your episodes, but I had forgotten this story. Yeah, and the first thing to know is that when we're talking about Santa Claus, we're we're talking about a real guy, Saint Nicholas of Myra from the fourth、uh, century, the the three hundreds in what is now Turkey, and he was a bishop, and after he died. His legend really grew, and this was common of other religious figures of the time, where there'd be stories of miracles and things like that. And eventually, we get to the point where he's a fat guy in a sleigh flying around. But before that, the kind of magic he would spread had to do with things like resurrections or multiplying grain stalks or and things like that. But those are the kinds of legends that that grow out of the things that we do know for sure about Saint Nicholas, and that's very little, as a matter of fact. We do know he really was、uh, a rich kid. His parents died when he was very young from the plague and left him a lot of money, and he was very generous. He he liked to give that money to other people to help them out. After his death, however, there's all kinds of you know he became the patron saint of seafarers, and it was common to a figure of Saint Nicholas on ships because he would protect the the sailors. But there's also stories of again like resurrections,、uh, resurrecting drowned sailors, and then in this one particularly gruesome story, these three young men were traveling, and this is where depending on the telling, there's all kinds of different versions that they stopped at either an inn or a butcher shop or. Whatever it was, who would have access to a place to、uh, hide a dead body, <laughs> more or less. And so the story goes that whoever this person was stole the money from that these three people were carrying, and then killed them. And so that's the baseline for that story. No matter which version you hear, you hear at least that much. And in the most gruesome versions of the story, he actually then dismembered the three bodies of these people that he murdered. And put them into either a pickling jar, a pickling tub, or a salt tub—the thing, the kind of thing that you'd cure meat with. You put meat in and then cover it with salt. We don't really know what what the plan was after that. What he was going to do with those three dead bodies, but before he could execute that plan, Saint Nicholas arrived at the inn or the butcher shop. And the details here are murky, but somehow Saint Nicholas came to know what had happened, and the butcher or the innkeeper then repented. Now in One of the, the the probably most extreme versions of the story. After all this happened, Saint Nicholas was then able to remember the three dead bodies and bring all three of them back to life, return their money to them, and send them on their merry way. And and、uh, in classic Santa fashion, right? He <laughs> saved the day. I, I like the the phrasing "remembered."、Um, that's kind of cool. Well, remember the word literally means to put back together. So that's why、uh, your your memories are reconstructions of the past. I know, but to think about it in in this context, yes, yes, it's, it's crazy. Well, that that's such a fascinating story. It seems to me like Santa Claus, the real Santa Claus, provided people with a lot of happiness and joy. I mean, that that's what we're celebrating at the end of the day. And、mm-hmm. so, for, when we think that we're lying to our kids, in a way, we're we're not. We're just keeping that memory of the real Saint Nicholas 
going for generations, right? We're, we're passing and it on to yes, our children. And, and in a lot of ways, you're uh, in the, trying to reboot your own childhood. And this is something that I'm experiencing now that I'm a dad to a young kid. He's still a little too young to understand quite what's going on. But as I introduce all these traditions to him, they're triggering my memories of those traditions and honoring the traditions that were passed down to me and so on. And so you're basically continuing this generation's old narrative and that's one of the interesting things about the evolution of Santa Claus, how we went from a real person to a guy flying in a magic sleigh, is because we keep telling the story from generation to generation, and as culture changes and as the legend moves around the world, those things get added. I spoke to an historian named Bruce David Forbes, and the analogy he gives is that Christmas is like a snowball, meaning as you roll a snowball, not only does it grow, but it picks up all the pieces of whatever is in its path. And I think the Santa Claus legend is very much like that. You've never known a world without Santa that you grew up with, but that's just the latest version of him. The story's not done yet. He's going to continue to evolve and five generations, 10 generations down the line, he's going to look very different from the one that we know today. It's hard to believe as that is because it feels like he's pretty standardized and has reached his final form, but that's not true and it's never been true. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Everyone, if you haven't already listened to the Christmas Past podcast, go ahead and check it out. It comes out every year and every year is just magical. Brian and I partnered up on an episode not too long ago on my show. He's fantastic. It's called Christmas Past. Listen to it throughout the season. You won't regret it. Well, hey, thanks right. a lot and, and Merry Christmas and yeah, Happy New Year. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you and All your right. family. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. All right, everyone. That is it. That's the last story for 2021. If you celebrate, I hope you guys have a fantastic Christmas. And happy holidays to everyone. And please be safe out there. We're navigating some scary times. But wear a mask, get a vaccine. Keep your distance. Do anything and everything you have to do to protect you, your family, and those around you. I will talk to you next year. The first episode out of the gate will be the interview with a former KGB agent. And you don't want to miss that one. That one's going to be great. All right. Happy New Year. And I'll talk to you in 2022. Creative Babble.